Blog Talk Radio. All right. And it's good to be coming to you today. I'm Brother Brandon Teague, and it's been a little while. Uh, two weeks ago, we were at Temple Baptist Church in Clarksville, Texas, and uh, we weren't able to broadcast that morning service. We broadcast the evening service, but it wasn't in our series. And then last Sunday, we had technical problems, but we have got those fixed, we believe, and now we are on to part 141, am I right? 141, yes, part 141 of uh, getting to know Jesus, and we are thankful for the Lord to be able to broadcast this morning, and we would we would love for you to stay with us and, and stay in the service with us and get a blessing from the Lord today because he certainly got something to say to us, and we're very grateful for that. So we're glad that you've tuned in and hope that the Lord will bless you and give you something uh, good today from his word. Uh, but anyway, let's let's turn in our Bibles this morning to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, that's where we find ourselves. And I'm going to read just a little bit just to set things, set the scene for everybody since we've been apart a little bit. <coughs> we've talked about the triumphant entry that Jesus made into Jerusalem, riding on the foal of an ass and, and how the people took their clothes and throwed them in the, uh, strode them in the road along the way in front of that uh, that procession, and they broke palm branches off and laid them down. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David, and uh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, they were thankful for Jesus, and they thought he's going to come and he's going to establish his throne right now, and kingdom six and start, and Rome's going to be put down, and, and all his enemies are going to be destroyed. All the enemies of Israel will be destroyed, and it's going to be peace in the world. Everything's going to be fantastic. They knew They knew there was a Messiah coming, and they believed, they believed that if he came, he was going to he was going to come riding in, and he was going to he was going to put down all the enemies of God, and they missed out on this age of grace. They missed out on what Christ came. They missed part of the prophecy, the honest truth of what happened. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna read this morning there, and uh, we're gonna begin there. In in I'm I'm just gonna back all the way up to verse eighteen, okay. Actually, well, 17, the Bible says, The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. They bear record of who he was. They talked about he, he's, he's, a, he, he's, he's got to be the Messiah. He has this kind of power. I mean, and, and the Bible says, For this cause, the people also met him. So they heard that he'd done this miracle. So the streets are literally being flooded with people who are coming to to see Jesus and believe that, hey, here is the conquering Messiah. So it, it was a great moment, but it was wrong. They came to praise the Son of God, but they did it without knowledge. And that happens a lot. I can tell you that, but that happens a lot. A lot of people try to praise Jesus and they don't even know who he is. And I don't say it to be negative. I don't say it to be a bad connotation on somebody except the fact that you have got to get to know who Jesus is before you're ever going to be able to give him the proper worship, before you're ever going to be able to give him the proper praise, you've got to know who he is. You've got to see him with the eye of faith. Don't just go off what somebody else told you. Look for yourself. Find him for yourself. And hopefully today we can show him to him, show him to you as clear as possible. But the Bible says in verse 20, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. There are some Gentile believers, Gentile, well, actually Gentile proselytes, Gentile Jews uh, who become Jewish proselytes who want to see you. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. But if a man, but if any, I'm sorry, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not for me, the cause of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have the light, while you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and did hide himself from them. In verse 37, our last verse, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning, and we ask for your power. We ask for your for your, uh, your spirit to strive amongst us. Lord, take the word of God and speak to our hearts. We give you the glory and the praise. We ask it all be done for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, so the scene here, I want you to understand these are the closing events of Christ's ministry, earthly ministry. I know you know that, but just for those listening in, these are the, these are the last days of his earthly life. As he, as he was in that earthly body, born of Mary. That was the last closing days of that earthly vessel that Jesus came to this world in. And he's, it's his last of his last moments ministering, trying to minister to the Jews. This is about to close their opportunity. Um, you see that the Gentiles have come seeking Jesus. And the Gentiles coming to seek Jesus and the Jews' rejection of Jesus certainly pictures what happened on a national level. The Jews will reject Jesus as their Messiah, and then the gospel of grace opens up to the world of the Gentiles. And we see it foreshadowed right here in the Scriptures. He's surrounded at this time by Pharisees, by his disciples, curious onlookers, Greek proselytes, priests, scribes, and every other imaginable 
worshiper and folks from every walk of life there in Jerusalem. He's surrounded. There's a lot of people around him. Jesus had just preached, and he urged them to believe on him and to follow him. He's urging them. This is not a scolding Jesus. This is an urgent Jesus. He knows this is the last time he's going to speak to them about that matter of following him. <clears throat> the Father had given him an amen after he preached. I mean, when he when he, he just got through preaching there in verses 23 through, through 27, he said, Father, glorify thy name. And, and the Father, he spoke from heaven. And he said, I both glorified it and I glorified it again. He's given an amen to everything Jesus just said. And yet people stood around and questioned whether or not what they heard was thunder or not. Jesus had made this proclamation. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And when he says lifted up from the earth, I want you to understand, they didn't pick Jesus up and put him up on a cross and nail him to a cross. The cross was laying on the ground. It was it was laying there on the ground. A hole was dug. I don't know how deep, but deep enough to, to bury that cross in so that there was no chance of it falling over, probably at least three to four feet deep, I would think. And and he was laid on his back on that cross, his hands outstretched, his hands nailed securely to the wood, his feet nailed securely to the wood, and then he was lifted up. They raised that cross. Men got behind it, and they raised it up, and it went over into that hole and thud down in that hole, and his body shook as it did. He was lifted up as a spectacle for everybody to look at and see. This is what happens when you mess with the wrong people. That's what the cross was all about. It was, an ob it was an object of shame. It was an object of ridicule. It was an object of, look at this powerful man now. He was so powerful, but look at him now. He's pinned to a cross. There's nothing he can do. He's helpless. Look at him. That was the point of crucifixion. But yet we talked about it became a throne. That crown of thorns became a, a glorious crown upon his head as he opened up the life gate for all of us to come to Jesus, to come to the Father through him. But I want to focus on something. Before I get into the message this morning, I want to focus on something that doesn't need to be missed. Uh, where Jesus said, and, and, I, and, I, and I want to do this because we didn't, we didn't broadcast. Verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, I think it's very, very, very important that we, we focus in on those two words there, all men. That, and the reason I want to focus on that is to simply say this. Every hyper-Calvinist out there who believes that Jesus only died for a certain few is absolutely, positively wrong. I do believe with all my heart that nobody just gets saved anytime they just get ready to. You can't say, well, you know, when I'm, when I'm 15 years old or when I'm 30 years old or when I'm 50 years old or whatever it may be, I'm going to get saved. You don't decide when the time of salvation comes. God draws you. He puts a desire in you to rid yourself of the sin that has wrecked your life. God Almighty draws you to the cross and shows you that Jesus is the answer. 
That's the only way a man's ever going to get saved, and he does that through his Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, who works in silence, works without our knowledge, and he draws that person and shows them that they need a Savior. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You can't get around that word all. Now, I know the, the hyper-Calvinist says, well, that means all men who will come to him. That's who that means. That just means all men that are going to be saved. Now, I'm not, I'm not foolish. I know what the Bible teaches. I know that the Bible says that, 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 God has, that God has predestined some to be glorified and just, justified and glorified. I know what it says in Romans 8. But let's understand something. That's God's foreknowledge it's talking about. That's God's foreknowledge of those who will believe. Of course, God's not, God's not curious about who's going to be saved. God knew before he ever made the world that, that not everybody would be saved. He knows who will and he knows who won't. He's God. He knows all things. But at the same time, see, God is sovereign. I believe in a sovereign, holy God. I, I believe in sovereign grace to a degree because I believe that it is God who gives grace, and I believe it's God who draws, and I believe that man can't get it anywhere else. It's definitely of God's will, but at the same time, God puts a requirement. He puts a demand. God says, you can't come to me unless you come through my son. But I'm going to draw all men and show you that he's the way. And I don't believe for one second there's a man, woman, boy, or girl on this earth that doesn't know they need to be saved somehow. They know something is wrong in them, and they know they need to be fixed. Maybe they don't know his name is Jesus just yet, but they know that there's a God. They know. Even the atheist, he, that's why he calls himself an atheist, because he doesn't want to be associated with God. He knows there's a God. Somebody said a long time ago to me, there ain't no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. You put somebody in the heat of battle, everybody believes in God. I've heard preachers say, you have somebody up there, grandma's in the hospital dying, one of the kids, one of the grandchildren calls himself an atheist. He said, you wait, we'll get all huddled around that bed. They'll get right in that huddle with you. They believe in prayer. They just don't want to admit it. God draws all men. I want you to turn to 1 John 2.2. We'll turn over real quickly. We'll get through this, and we'll get to our, to our message, and we'll be done. But I just want to show you these things because I don't want to miss it. First John two two very very quickly. The Bible says about Jesus. All right, we'll read verse one and two. My little children, these things write I unto you that that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That's the one that goes on our behalf. Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. That means everybody, everybody listening under the sound of my voice is included in verse 2. You say, what does that propitiation mean? It means the reconciliation to God. The only way you can come to God and be reconciled to God and stand in right standing before God is if Jesus Christ pays your sin debt. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, that's it. But all are able to come. Amen. Let's look at another place. Acts chapter 17. Turn there quickly. Acts chapter 17 and verse 33. I'm sorry, verse 30. Acts 17 and verse 30. The Bible says there in verse uh, chapter 17, verse 30 of Acts, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere 
to repent. Should anybody have any problem with God, then you go to God and take it up, because God's the one that said all, 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 every all. Amen? And God didn't stutter when he said it. God put exactly the right word there. Just thought I'd clear that up. So if you got a problem with me, no, you got a problem with God. So anyway, we'll move on from that. But but let's let's move on. And we're in that crowd and and, and Jesus is, has has made this statement to them and he's and, and the part I really want to focus on this morning is verses thirty five and verse thirty six. Right after he they, they question him and, and they question him because well actually let's back up one let's back up two verses. And let's cover this because if I don't cover this I won't feel right about it. This he said about him being lifted up and drawn on men, signifying what death he should die, talking about being crucified. Verse 34, and the people answered him. This is the part I want to show you. They said, we have heard out of the law. We read the Old Testament now, Jesus, that Christ abideth forever. He's going to live forever. And how, are you, how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up or crucified? Who is this Son of Man? Now, see, here's the thing. People among the crowd had knowledge. They studied. They read. They knew the Old Testament very well. They said, wait a minute now. Hold up a minute. You're talking about you're going to die. Well, now, the Bible says that the Messiah is going to live forever. So who are you talking about? Because you can't be talking about yourself. Because you said you're going to die. And he's going to live forever. It's a dangerous thing to have knowledge and lack of understanding. There's a lot of preachers behind pulpits that have knowledge but lack of understanding. There's a lot of well-meaning people in churches who have knowledge but lack of understanding. And there's a bunch of them that's lost as the devil himself, and they got knowledge but they lack of understanding. They're religious, but they're lost. But they challenged him. And I, and I want to show you why they challenged him. Amen. This is more of a teaching sermon than it is a a preaching sermon, but we're gonna we're gonna get into the sermon here in just a few minutes completely. But I, I just wanna I wanna make clear these things so that you see where everybody's coming from. So they're challenging Jesus about by saying, you know, the Old Testament says this. Well where where are they talking about? Well, in Psalm chapter seventy two, first of all, verse seventeen, the Bible said his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. So he's going to continue. They're saying, now, wait a minute. See, the Bible says it. You're going to live forever. And then you look at chapter 102 of Psalm, verses 23 through 27. Let me tell you what it says. It says, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh, my God, take me not away from the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations of old. Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, the heavens are the work of thy hands, they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture thou shalt change them, they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. They said, now here, we know what the Bible says. Well, Isaiah 9, 7, there's another one. I'll read you that one real quickly, and then we'll get on to what we're talking about. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. 
and upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and the justice from with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And they knew those things. And they said, this don't line up, it's going to line up. But here's the thing that they failed to understand. They missed the scriptures about his death. They missed the scriptures about his resurrection. They missed those prophecies. Listen, the sun goes down every day. But it doesn't die. It comes up new every morning. Listen, Christ went to die, but he came right back up. Amen? There was no, Jesus never died. His body died, but Jesus himself never died. Amen? They didn't understand that. They couldn't see that. That's where they missed out. They couldn't understand. This is God walking on the earth. They couldn't understand that. They couldn't grasp it. So I want us to focus our attention this morning as we turn back here to John chapter 12. I want us to focus our attention on some things this morning and I, and I want you to be in prayer for those out there that might be listening who, who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Maybe, they, maybe they've had religious experience, but they still don't have peace. They still don't have the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we won't be long this morning, but we, what we're going to fo- focus about and what we're going to put our attention on, it's a grave matter. It's a matter of eternity. It's a matter of, of heaven or hell. It's a matter of lost or saved. But I want us to see Jesus, and I want you to remember, he is about to go to the cross of Calvary. He is about to die for the sinners of the world, the entire world. And he's there with his nation of Israel. He came to, I mean, the nation that God called out, separated unto himself, the nation Jesus was born into, the nation that he, that he loved, the Hebrew people, the, the God's chosen people. Jesus came to save them, and they reject him. But I want you to notice, how patiently, how lovingly, caringly, and patiently Jesus warns those who hate him. Then Jesus said unto them, verse 35, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. I've, I've been walking in the dark many a time with a flashlight, and I just thought about that, you know. I just thought about times when I've been out somewhere at night with some folks and somebody, and, you know, we only had one flashlight. You know what I know? You want to stay with the one that's got the flashlight because without the flashlight, especially if the cloud's hidden, you can't see anything. It's dark. When you've got a flashlight, you can see where you're going. So if you've got the light, you need to walk in it. Amen. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the light. If I'm not here to show you, you won't see it. You're just you're helplessly, hopelessly lost in the dark without me. And I'm here trying to shine one more time to get you to see. But he warned them, even though they hated him, even though they were about to crucify him, he still lovingly, patiently warned them. I want you to notice, first of all, the concern for their souls. I mean, again, these are people who tried to crucify, these are people, I'll say crucify, these are people who tried to stone him. They tried to run him off a cliff. They tried their best to catch him and trick him, trip him up, 
to uh, catch him in lies. They've tried to discredit him. They've called him a, a servant of Satan. They've done everything that you can possibly do to a person without causing them physical bodily harm. And yet Jesus had tenderness toward them. Tenderness toward those who would crucify him. Now, when I say that, I want you to think about something for a second because we're called to be like Jesus. I want to talk to every believer listening to me. There are people who hate our guts because of who we are and what we stand for. There are people who absolutely refuse to have anything to do with us because of it. There are people who would abuse us because of it. And Jesus said, he said to them, listen, walk with me. I'm the light. Walk with me. He had hope that they would come to him. He gave them hope. He tried to offer them hope. He tried to, to put out there to them, this is the way. I am the way. Come to me. Walk with me now. He didn't have to. He'd only preached for three and a half years. But yet he did. You know, the Bible talks about that in Hebrews 12, 3. The Bible says that he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. They hated him, and yet he loved them. They despised him, and yet he wanted them to believe on him. Folks, and that seems to me, it seems to us confusing. Why, why would he do that? I can't wrap my head around why. He would love somebody that hated him. Not in my flesh. But when I realize that God has done that for me, God did that for me. When yet I was still just barreling down life's highway, doing my own thing, doing what I wanted to do because it was me, my life. But God had mercy on me. And so many others can sing the same song and tell the same tale of how they were forgiven. Some who, who lived far worse lives than I ever lived, yet they came to Christ and all was forgiven, just as it happened to me. He endured such contradiction of sinners. If I looked at my life, if we could lay down every sin that, that Brandon Teague has ever committed, I wouldn't want a soul to come by and look at it all. If all of your sins were laid bare for somebody else to see, you wouldn't want a soul to come by and look at it all. You'd have such shame over your life. As I said yesterday, life is messy. It's a messy process. Thank God there's forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to offer it, even to those who hate him. He sought He still wanted them to be with him. He had concern for their souls. I wonder, what about you? Do you have any concern for souls? Are you concerned about those around you that are lost, Christian? Let me ask you something. Do you have any console, uh, any, any, any concern for those who hate you? Do you have any concern for their lost souls, those who despise you, those who want to do harm to you? Do you have any concern over their lost soul? Because that's Christ-like. I want you to notice how Christ loved them even though they hated him. We know that from the cross as they were making 
making horribly lewd, rude comments to him and, and, and mocking him. He cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want us to see his concern in his waning moments of his ministry. One last time, just one more time, even though the majority there, it's probably all there, reject him, even though his love is so great. Do you hear me this morning? God's love is so immense and so powerful and so vast that Jesus could not help but pour it out one more time. You have a little while. I'm still here. I'm still shining. I'm still here. And up until the end, he never stopped being concerned for their souls. I want us to see number two. Notice the method that he uses. He didn't rear back and scream at them. He didn't rear back and scream, you're all going to burn in hell. No, he didn't do that. He didn't stand and and, 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 and and listen to me. I'm not against street preaching, not one bit. I think that, that it needs to be done more often in more places. But I'm going to tell you, there's something between, there's a difference between hollering and screaming and, and, and making people uh, want to run from you rather than telling them the truth in love. And that's what Christ did. He told them the truth. He wasn't yelling and screaming, no. He said it humbly. He humbly warned them that the time was short. He said, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. Right now, I'm here. Right now, the truth is here. Right now, the, 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 op- the opening of the door to God is here. Right now, you can see. Right now, if you just listen. Right now, if you just open your eyes. Right now, but I'm going to be gone, and it won't be no more right now. That's what Jesus is saying. I want to turn over to 2 Timothy 2.25 real quick. Real quickly, I should have marked it. 2 Timothy 2.25. The Bible says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You understand that? Those who are sending their own selves to hell, they oppose themselves, even though they want to be religious, even though they want to come off as, we're, we're, we're very good people. they still lost as they can be because they think that they can work themselves to a, a level of perfection. They think that they can get to the place to where they please God on their own, and they, are, they oppose themselves, and we're to instruct them in meekness, not in authority and coming down on them and putting our boot heel on their neck. No, we're to instruct them in meekness. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, you see, they don't acknowledge the truth. They don't believe that he is who he says he is. Yet they think they've got a religion that will carry them through. The Bible says we're not to do it in any way but meekness. You know why? Because you know what? If it wasn't for him, we'd be in the same shape. We've got no right nor authority to step back as if we were the one who had something to do with it. We're just a messenger. The time was short. 
They wasted the opportunities. I mean, he walked among them for three and a half years, and they wasted opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and they never heard what he had to say. They were just waiting for an opportunity to retort. They just waited for an opportunity to throw something back at him. They weren't there to hear and take it in and, and, and mull it over and, and think about it. No, they weren't there to meditate on his truth. They were there to try to, to, try to shut him down. It almost reminds me of the Democratic Party today. They just, everything they're doing wrong, they blame it on somebody else. They blame it on the opposition. Well, everything they were doing wrong, they blamed it on Jesus. I didn't, I didn't get up this morning to do politics, but it just, it's, it's as plain as a nose on your face. It's right there. I have to use it. They wasted opportunities. People, we waste opportunities. We've got, we've got so many opportunities. See, people think they've got all the time in the world until it runs out abruptly. And it's no more time. What about you? What about you, friend? They say falling feels like flying until you hit the ground. What about you? You think you got time to get saved? You think you got time to straighten it out? You got time to fix your relationship with God? Let me tell you something. You don't know how much time you got. So you better take heed and you better do it now. The Lord is trying to come to you as humbly as he knows how to say to you, if you don't pay attention to the light while you have it, you'll walk in darkness from now on. You better pay attention when God comes and he knocks on your door. Listen to me. You better open up to him because there's not going to be another chance maybe. What about you? What about you? So we've noticed his concern. We've noticed his method that he used on number three for us to notice the advantage that they had. They had Christ with them. I mean, they had him physically right there. Right there. He'd been among them. I mean, they, they had all this opportunity to see and to understand. In John, uh, the first chapter, I want you to listen. He said uh, he was talking about the light. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says about it. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was the, in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, which means that the darkness could not stop it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came from a wit. For a witness to bear witness of the capital L light, that's Christ, that all men through him might believe. Speaking of John, it said he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You see that every again? Every man that cometh into the world, that truth lights every man, and every man has an opportunity in his life where he can be saved if he takes advantage of that opportunity. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He was right there, right there among them. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. No, the Jews rejected him, but as many as received him, those that small group there among them, and all that would believe since, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the light. Amen. He's saying, I'm the light. I'm here. I'm right here in front of you. Let me tell you something. If you're listening today, the light is right here in front of you. Look and live, as the Bible says. In John 7, in verse 33, Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go to him, unto him that sent me. He told them. He'd been telling them over and over again. I'm the light of the world. I'm only here for a short time. I won't always be here. You better listen now while you have the opportunity. In chapter 8, in verse 12, Then spake Jesus unto them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But he told him, he said, if you don't have me, you're going to walk in darkness. I tell you, there's no more hopeless feeling in the world to be in absolute darkness and not be able to find your way. There's everything in the world to slam into, run into, trip over, fall down on. You ain't got any idea where you're going. He was there. They'd heard him preach. They saw his miracles. They had the prophecies. They were without excuse. Let me tell you something today. What about you? You've grown up in the freest country on earth, and if you're listening to me in another place on earth, I'm talking about the United States of America, but regardless, if you grew up in, a, in one of the, uh, the nations over in Europe, you still have the freedom to read the Word of God. There are many places on this earth where people have had the freedom to read and, and, and preach and teach the Word of God, and we have taken it, we've wasted it the minutes, we've wasted the hours, the days, the months, the years, we've wasted it. And we're without excuse for our wasting. There are people who've heard the gospel. They've had gospel tracts handed to them. They've seen it on billboards. They've heard it. They've seen it on the side of trucks going by on the highway. They've heard it from people's lips, and they've avoided it. They've gone around it to get away from it. I'm going to tell you something. There's going to come a day where it'll never come back. Today may be the last, and you'll be without excuse. What about you, sinner? What about you? They had an advantage, and you sure have one too. Don't miss it. I want you to notice, fourthly, that they had a limited time. Again, he had labored for three and a half years among them, but he was leaving. He was leaving. Salvation is a limited time offer. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing people fail to realize. Salvation is a limited time offer. You know, the Bible says in Genesis, says, God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There's a time when God stops dealing with somebody. There's a time when God says, that's it. You've gone, you've gone further than, than, than you've, gone fur, you've gone too far. You've gone outside. You're not going to come back. God knows where that point is. God knows when that sinner has rejected that gospel invitation for the last time. There's a point out there where God says, that's it. There's going to come a day 
when, when, when listen to me, there's going to come a day, and that day's not going to be far away, when every last breathing Christian on earth is going to be gone. The Bible preaching will be over. The gospel invitations, the last one will be played. The last time anybody will give somebody an opportunity to come to Christ, the last time somebody will plead with somebody to come and believe, it's going to be over, and it ain't far away. And Jesus was warning them, I'm not going to be around much longer. Take advantage of it today. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't say, oh, i got plenty of time. Oh, I'll deal with that later. He's speaking today. What about you? What about you? I want to give you number five. I want you to notice the warning against delay that he gives us. He said, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. He's warning them. He's saying, if you don't have the light, if you don't look to me now, you may never, ever see where to go again. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Listen, I want <coughs> the great thing about it, there's not a single thing that anybody has to do physically to be saved. You don't have to get baptized to get saved. I believe you should be baptized after you get saved. The Bible teaches that. But baptism is not essential to salvation. You don't have to be in a church to get saved. You don't have to have a preacher there with you to get saved. As a matter of fact, you don't have to have anybody there with you to get saved except God. And he's with you all the time. There's no right way or wrong way. No way to stand, kneel, lay whatever, wherever you may be. There's no right position to be in. There's no right place to be in. No, all you have to do is come believing that Jesus Christ went to that cross and bore your sin debt. That's all anybody must do is believe that he is the one who did it for you. And when you come, you be willing to turn from your sins and believe on Christ. I didn't say you have to turn from your sins because you don't have that power. God will give you that power as you grow as a believer. But right now, the only thing you can do is be willing to turn to Jesus and believe on him and accept him as the payment for your sin debt. If you'll believe that he was, that he was crucified, that they buried him, and that three days later God raised him from the dead, the stone was rolled back, and he walked out of there alive, and he's been alive ever since. He walked on this earth, showed himself to many, many people, and then ascended up to heaven right in their presence on the Mount of Olives. And he said, I'm coming back. He said, Behold, I, lo, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. But he, before, before he went to that cross, he gave this warning. He said, today's the day. While the light's here, today's the day of salvation. And I urge you, sinner, I urge you, don't delay. Get saved today. Make today the greatest day that you ever lived. 
when you got born again. Come to Christ and believe. I want to talk this morning to the wayward child of God. Today is the day of turning back to Christ. Today, if the Holy Ghost of God's broken your heart over the sin that's manifested in your life and keeping you separate from a relationship with God like you know you should have, I say to you, don't keep running from God. Turn around now. He's waiting for you to turn around. He's got his arms outstretched behind you, waiting for you to turn around. He's been following after you, waiting for you to turn around. Look at the story of the prodigal son. The father, the father didn't wait till he got to the house. The father ran down the road to meet him. Turn around. Turn around. God's waiting. Today. Today is the day of restoration. Maybe your life's in shambles. Maybe you've thrown your life away. Maybe, maybe, maybe you were called to do something for God, but you've thrown your life away, and you feel like you're hopelessly, helplessly a waste. Let me tell you something. Today is the day of restoration. Today is the day that God will pick up your pieces and put them back together and show you a purpose for your life. Today. Today is the day of action. I want to read to you from Ephesians before we close. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 8. The Bible says, for ye were sometimes darkness. That means before you were in darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. You see, when you come to Christ, he'll give you his light. He'll put it inside of you. He said, you're the children of light. Walk as them. Walk that way. For the fruit of the Spirit... That's when the Spirit of God moves into you. When you come to Christ and get saved, He put God himself begins to put his attributes out of you. He puts them. They come forth from you. People see it. People are touched by it. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving or showing or demonstrating what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, rather speak against them and, and put those things down. Listen, we're, we're called to be the children of light. He said, for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are corrected or made manifest by the light. The light comes on and everything is seen. You see, can't nothing hide from Christ. He knows everything about you. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, and for that reason here, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making the very most of it, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And I want you to listen close to me this morning. I want you to listen close to what I'm about to say. We live in a world that is so upside down. We live in a world that is so backward. It's so backward from God's Word. It, 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 it's just absolute polar opposite. And the reason being is because Satan is in control and running the show on this earth. And because Satan is in control of the world's systems, He's in control. He's in control of the news media. He's in control of the of the the print media. He's in control of the 
uh, of the television media. He's in control of the of the movies. He's in control of the music business. He's in control. He's in control of the internet. He's in control of all of it. He's the one who's pushing all of this filth everywhere. And it seems like everything is backwards. But believe me, God has a plan. And he's saying, in the midst of all this darkness, you better come to the light. This world is drowning in darkness. But I'm going to tell you something. You can find an oasis in Christ where there's light, and you can see what you're doing, and you can see where to walk, and you can see where there's safety, and you can see where there's peace in the midst of chaos. You can see where there's freedom in the midst of slavery and chains. You'll find that in Christ. He'll set you free. He'll give you life eternal. He'll give you peace beyond all understanding. But it's today. Today's the day of action. Today. That's what God tells us. Today. You can't see to, to walk without the light. There's just no way to see. Jesus said in, in, in chapter 15 and verse 5 of John, he said, without me, you can do nothing. You can't see without me. And the last thing I want you to see here before we close, in chapter 12, in verse 36, I want you to notice he departed. The Bible says, These spake, things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. And I want to say to you this morning that he is speaking to your heart today from the word of God. Today is the day. Today is the day when he speaks to your heart to respond. Because I'm going to tell you, he's going to depart. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God works alongside the Word of God. If this is the last time you listen to the Word of God, this will be the last time likely you hear from Jesus. So I urge you, listen to him, because if you reject him, he'll depart. And you'll walk in darkness. I urge you today to come to the light. Come to Jesus. Believe and be saved. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before you now, and I, I, I plead on behalf of everyone that heard the message this morning. I plead on their behalf, Lord. I pray for those who are lost. I pray, Lord, there are people even now, Lord, that have bowed their head and they begin to talk to you about their soul salvation. Lord, I pray that right now as we, as we speak, Lord, that they, their heads are bowed and they're, they're asking you, they're calling upon the name of Jesus, and they're asking Jesus to be their Savior. They're coming and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm no good. I know there's nothing good about me, but I want you to wash me clean. I want you to wash me in your blood. I want you to forgive my sins, and I want to be your child. Oh, if somebody will come and do that. He'll save them and give them life eternal. They'll be a child of the King of, of kings and Lord of lords. They'll have a place in heaven. They'll have life eternal. Oh, Lord, I plead for their souls. I pray, Father, that they come and be saved, believing on Jesus. Lord, I pray for the wayward child of God. I pray for the one who's gone. They think they've gone too far. Lord, I pray you'd show them this morning like all they got to do is turn around. Oh, Lord, I know what that's like. I know what it is to have to turn around when you've run from God. I know. Lord, there's relief. Please, I pray for that, for that saint that's gone so far. I pray, Lord, they'd get relief today. 
that they'd walk back into the light of the Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, for the families that are broken. I pray for the the children that have gone astray. Lord, I, I don't know all the cases out there. I have no idea what's going on, Lord, in people's lives. But, Lord, I know there's lots of heartbreak everywhere. Lord, I pray for them. I pray you heal hearts today. Oh, Lord, please continue to heal mine. Work in my life. Lord, lay a path out before us to walk. And daily, show us the light as to where to step. Give us guidance. Guide us all the way to your door until you come and call us home. And I I look forward to that day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are the light of the world and you're my light. And I give you praise and I give you glory today. In your name I pray, amen.